Welcome to Strike Deck Radio, a podcast focused on customer success and the leaders who are implementing best practices in our field. This podcast is brought to you by Strike Deck and the Success League. Strike Deck is a customer success automation platform that helps CSMs effectively manage their customer relationships. The Strike Deck solution enables churn prevention, upsells, and customer advocacy. They use machine learning and predictive analytics to bubble up insights and alerts about customer health, sentiment, and engagement. The Success League is a consulting firm focused on customer success. We work with executives who are ready to build and develop a top-performing customer success team that drives retention and revenue for the organization. We also offer training programs for CSMs and customer success leaders. For more information, you can visit our website at thesuccessleague.io. My name is Kristen Hayer, and I'm the host of Strike Deck Radio and the founder and CEO of the Success League. I'm so excited to welcome Kim Osla back to the podcast. Kim is the Vice President of Customer Success for Wisby, based in Spain. Kim is based in Silicon Valley, but manages a team that is located in Europe. So today we're going to be talking about the ins and outs of managing a remote global team. Kim, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. So before we get started, can you give the audience a little background on yourself and your team? Yeah, um, so just a little bit on um, how I got into customer success. I was at a company that was converting a desktop software solution into a SaaS solution, and we started selling to customers and kind of needed to know what to do with those customers, how to handle those customers. So it made sense for me and um, in the role I was in to move over into the customer success organization. Matter of fact, at that time, I didn't even know that it was coined customer success. And so I moved over, built out a team, built out the customer success program and learned a lot um, through trial and error about what customer success means and um, how you uh, work with uh, renewal and um, with upsells and all the other things that go along with uh, handling customers on a recurring revenue basis. I'm at Wisby. Um, Wisby is a conversational commerce platform. It's for enterprises, uses chatbot, video, and chat, and it helps with sales, conversions, and also engagement. So the team that I currently have consists of global CSMs, as you mentioned. I have most of my team over in Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, I have several people over in Madrid. And then I have some uh, CSMs over in the U.S. as well. Um, okay. Most of our customers are based over in Europe because it's a European company. Um, under that, I have also an implementation team, implementation on- onboarding. And then I have the support org under me as well, which also consists of some front-end developers. Got it. So, Kim, the last time you were on the podcast, we talked about setting up a new team. And then since then, you've been running a global customer success team and experiencing all the excitement and challenges that come along with that. Uh, Before we get into the details of that, can you tell me the high-level pros and cons of having a geographically dispersed team like that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, some of the pros with that are the proximity that your team has to the clients. Um, I'm, as I said, I'm in a global team, but it could be the same if you're in a 
team where you have customers over in the East Coast and you have, you know, CSMs over in the West Coast or the East Coast. And I'll go into that a bit later in detail. Um, The second thing is the cultural expertise. Um, I'm have customers over in Germany. Um, I have customers over in the UK. Um, they're all over the world. So that cultural expertise is, is a great pro to having that remote team. And then also the cultural diversity. I really like that in this role, I'm learning a lot about the cultural diversity, the cultural differences with different clients, different companies. And also my team is learning a lot about the U.S. as well, which is a big benefit to them. They really enjoy that as well. Some of the challenges that go along with um, running the global team is the distance that I have from the team. I'm, like I said, most of my team is over in Europe and I'm over here in the U.S. So that um, creates a bit of challenges in of itself uh, with the time zone issues. That's another point of that. We have the time zone. There's only a small window of time where I have crossover with the team. So if I'm answering back to them, you know, today, they're not going to get back an answer till sometimes Monday. And then yeah. the instantaneous, so if they have a quick question and it's the middle of the night here, Obviously, I'm not going to be able to get back to them in the middle of the night. So that that creates a bit of a challenge. And I think it would be the same. You know, I, I've worked in other teams where you have East Coast, West Coast team. It, it's less of a challenge, but it's still a challenge because you have that that three hour difference and um, you have a certain window of, of crossover time. Um, certainly for me, the language becomes a, a bit of a, a challenge as well, because obviously English is their second language and I don't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. Um, so that becomes a bit of a, a issue and I'll go into a lot of the details on that later, but obviously, um, as you can understand when you're talking yeah. to somebody, there's a lot of nuances, there's a lot of um, just slang that you use and you gotta be careful in how you talk and how you articulate things. Um, I mentioned the early, you know, the cultural diversity is a positive. Also, the cultural differences can be um, an issue as well. And that could be because I don't understand all the cultural differences for some of the customers or the team in different locations. So that's that's a learning process for me as well. And then, you know, it goes back to that loss of daily internal communication. When you're sitting with a team, you're hearing a lot of things that are going on and you lose that loss of that internal communication surrounding you when you're remote. So you mentioned that there's several advantages to having your team um, geographically closer to the customers. How do you leverage those advantages? Yeah, so um, the, you know, when I think back to even previous companies, when I was working with um, customers or my team was working with customers in the East Coast, you can imagine that somebody comes in at eight or they come in at nine over in the West Coast, you have, it's almost lunchtime over there in the East Coast. So they're already getting ready to go off to lunch and then their CSM is, is walking in the door and they've had questions or issues up until then. So having them in close proximity just for that being on that same time zone mm-hmm. is is a huge advantage. It, it, in the world of CSM, time is of the essence, right? 
Um, it, you know, you, you want to make sure that you take care of the customers if they have questions or issues right away. Right. So that's one part to that proximity. And also for traveling or seeing the customers on site, you really can have the team, if they need to go on site, to have more targeted on site. So I have a team in Madrid and they handle all the customers in Madrid. So getting over to a customer and seeing several customers in one day is no problem because they're over there, they're right there next to the customers. If they need to do an implementation or they need to do a QBR, it's really easy and it doesn't take up a you know big chunk of their day or several days. Yeah, I think it's really important from a budget standpoint and from a time standpoint to really maximize your travel time for your team. I wanted to ask you about your travel schedule. That seems like that could be pretty overwhelming. How often do you get to see your team members? And is the travel rough? Right. Yeah. So I try to see my team members every other month, approximately six weeks. So that sometimes fluctuates depending on what's going on. But it's really important for me to keep in touch with them. And I also surround that with client visits as well, because I always like to go on site with them when I can and visit the clients and and be able to help them more. Um, It does get a little bit draining and tiring. Um, Yeah. I pretty much get on a plane, go there, and you can imagine it's it's a day ahead. So I, you know, get in on a Sunday night and then the next day, Monday, I'm in there nonstop, pretty much nonstop until I leave. So there's not really a lot of time for me to adjust to the time zone. Even sometimes I'm there a week and a half. It's a nonstop when I get there because everybody wants to carve out time with me. Um, So it gets a little bit hard to adjust. However, you know, I've been traveling to Europe, as you know, for over 10 years. I seem to work for European companies. Um, That's my MO. And I have a lot of (laughs) connections with former clients and teammates who are there. So it's really nice to reconnect with them when I'm there. And I also like the idea of being in different countries and learning about the different cultures and I, you know, learning my way around. Um, I know my way around Spain pretty well, so it feels pretty comfortable there for me. And my team is always great about if I'm in a new country, taking me out, showing me around. And we, we bond on that and we have a lot of fun together as well. Yeah, I think one of the things I really enjoy about um, traveling for business with a team is that, you know, when you're in a different city and you get to visit them, you get to try different restaurants and you get to have fun uh, together as a group. And, you know, if you see a team every day, you're less likely to do that. And when you get together, you know, because you haven't seen them for a while, it's a little more special and it's kind of fun. And you get to learn about some of the new places in the world or in the United States where you might not have visited much in the past. And I I really enjoy that myself. So I can see why that's a a big benefit for you. Yeah. And I might, I might have to find out, you know, where some of your favorite places are in Spain. (laughs) Definitely someplace on my list. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so how do you stay engaged with your team members when you're apart from them? And what are maybe some of your favorite remote management tactics that you could share with the audience today? Yeah. Yeah. So I have three, um, uh, two directors under me and one manager and those are my main point of contact. The, the team reports into them and they report into me. So every week I do an online meeting with them, like a one-to-one meeting 
we use either WhatsApp. Typically, it's a call. So we do either WhatsApp or we use an online meeting tool. Okay. So I tend to engage with my team in the early morning hours. So I have a lot of crossover with them. I try not to um, have them crossover into their late hours as much as into my early morning hours. And so I, I get up early and we, we typically use Slack a lot to do some quick communications. That helps a lot. Um, we put a lot of information in Strike Deck, so I'm able to go in and see what's going on with the customers and the clients. Um, we use email, which is, which is typical. And, you know, there's so many ways to keep in touch with technology nowadays that, um, you know, they have a lot of touch points with me. And I have an open door policy as well. So anybody in the team, so anybody reports into them can contact me at any time and give them a lot of channels and ways to talk to me. And they can feel free to reach out or directly schedule a meeting. They know I'm up pretty early at 4 a.m. So I sit and drink my coffee and they can start contacting me then. But I think it's important to have that open door, that open channel and make sure that you have multiple ways to be reached and that you try to respond um, as quickly as you can so they don't feel like they're always having to wait for you. Yeah, I think um, I'll just add one thing that I did when I was working with my team at Jazz HR. Uh, we had our conference rooms because we had a team in San Francisco and a team in Pittsburgh. We had all of our conference rooms set up with cameras that made it look like you were sitting at the same table with the other team when they were in their conference room and you were in the other conference room in the other city. And it, it actually was really great because it kind of made it feel like team meetings were yeah. all one team rather than two separate teams. And I think that helped kind of bring everybody together as well. We're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with the rest of the interview in a minute. Today, I want to share some information about the customer success workshops we offer at the Success League. Each of the classes we teach as a part of our CSM training program is also offered in a two to three hour expanded workshop format. These on-site sessions are designed to provide a rich learning experience for customer success teams and include group discussions, team exercises, and tools that team members can put to use right away. Some of the recent topics we have been addressing through these workshops are engaging executives, uncovering opportunities, building persuasion and negotiation skills, and managing time. If you have a customer success team event coming up, consider adding one of our half or full day workshops to build your group's skills and drive teamwork. I also want to mention a terrific resource from Strike Deck called The Beginner's Guide to Customer Success. This is a 200-page ebook you can download from Amazon, and it includes fantastic tips, articles, and exercises to grow your career in customer success. CSMs will find information that helps them get started in the field, and managers will gain tools they can implement to help build the customer success function within their organization. For more information about either the workshops or the ebook, you can visit thesuccessleague.io or strikeduck.com. And now back to our interview. So Kim, what are some of the tools and technology you use on your team to help keep lines of communication open between team members? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's important to use a CS tool. Um, we are currently using StrikeDeck. It gives me and also my team insight to what is going on on day-to-day -day basis with the clients. And sometimes even my team can look at what somebody else is doing 
within the notes or within activities and get something out of there that can help them. It's also a way for us to see, you know, where things are, are lying on the uh, state of the client, whether they're healthy or not healthy. And it is a way for me not to, every time we have a conversation or one-to-one meetings, need to go into all the details of each of the clients. Typically when I'm in the meetings with my team, it's more targeted because I already know a lot of the details on each of the clients and the meeting is more focused on what actions that we can take or what we need to do um, to change things or improve things with the client. Um, for quick reaches, as I mentioned earlier, we use Slack. Um, that's a good way for our mass communication or those quick chats and then also WhatsApp as well, since a lot of people in Europe use WhatsApp. Um, yeah. That's the medium that I've been using um, as well to get in quick contact with them. Um, I may not always be at my desk or I may have Slack off for whatever reason. So sometimes they'll ping me on WhatsApp if they can't get me on Slack. And then for our onboarding and implementation, we use Trellio so that we can kind of project manage what's going on through the process and everybody can see and comment on what's going on or just see the, the status of a, of a new client. And then, um, of course, we always use um, email, which everybody uses, uh, you know, on a day-to-day. My email. <laughs> yeah, but that's more for the long information passing. So if you have a, yeah. a, a lot of detail that you need to get out, or you need to send a document. Um, we actually upload the documents in Google Docs to share them. And there's other ways that you can store documents on the cloud, of course. But, um, you know, I find that's best for longer conversations, but I tend to focus on the, the shorter conversations. And so we focus a lot on that Slack chat, that WhatsApp chat, and then reading all the information we need to know in our CS tool. Got it. So I know you kind of went over this at a high level, but what do you see as some of the biggest downsides of a remote team and how do you tackle those? Yeah, I, this is my second um, global company that I've worked for. And always the biggest thing that the team has, it's actually an issue that they always come up in the beginning. How are you going to be able to interact with us or manage us or help us if you're on a totally different time zone? And yeah. we don't have much crossover. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I try not to expect them to work on my time zone. Matter of fact, over there, if they're working on my time zone, it's in the evening, which is a bit harder for them than me getting up in the morning early. So typically, like I said, I get up early in the morning, um, try to have more hours of crossover with them. I, you know, answering emails, answering chats while I'm sitting there drinking my coffee and then they can get back to me still on their time zone. Then I can get back to them again, if we have to have a conversation or we can have a quick conversation. The problem is if you have a really small window on crossover is they can send me something and then I respond, but they've already gone for the day. And then yeah. the, it, it takes a whole day. And in the world of clients, that, that doesn't really work. And even sometimes I'm interacting with clients as well over there. And so trying to work earlier hours and get, you know, at least a good three, four hours of crossover seemed to be the best way for me to work with that. And obviously, you know, when I'm there on site, I try to, as I said, go there 
you know, every six weeks to, you know, every other month, because you can get a lot more done in person when I'm actually sitting down with them. We have a big agenda and we get through a lot of things and my schedule's really packed. I'm pretty much running around from person to person when I go over to Spain and we're getting a lot accomplished. That's a little bit harder to do remote. So it really, you know, takes a lot of organization and a lot of, um, you know, process behind it. And also, me making a little bit more sacrifices on my end so that I can um, make it work so that I can, you know, have a little bit more um, interaction with them. And then it goes into, I think, you know, the other issue is understanding or getting that detailed insight onto what is going on. I think that's the hardest thing, the most difficult, because they are all sitting around each other and next to each other. And they're hearing things and they're not even aware sometimes that they've heard something that I haven't heard. And so somebody's had a conversation about a client or something's going on or a challenge that they've had, and they aren't even aware that I haven't heard it because they're so used to hearing things on a day-to-day basis. So I constantly have to make sure that I'm trained to uh, bring up points or ask a lot of questions so I don't miss out on anything that is important. That's a conversation outside of a group email or a chat. Yeah, your team is not only remote, but international. So you had also mentioned some of the cultural challenges that you run into. What are the biggest ones? Yeah. um, So luckily for me, I've been working with the Spanish market forever, 10 (laughs) years now, you know, so that that kind of helps. I remember back when, you know, it was new to me, and I'm was trying to figure out the culture and why they ate dinner at 10 p.m. at night and lunch at three. You know, that <laughs> yeah. was a bit bit tough for me. But um, there's a lot of challenges that you have to overcome. Just different things that you don't even think about, like when looking at even how people do sales in Europe or even talk to customers um, over here in the U.S. We do a lot of things by video conference. It's the big thing here. A lot of sales are done via video conference. You don't need to always fly on site. A lot of meetings with customers, QBRs are also done with the video conferencing solutions, you know, with like a GoToMeeting or a a WebEx, et cetera, maybe even JoinMe. But in Europe, that that is not the cultural norm. Uh, A lot of times they want you to come in person. As a matter of fact, a lot of sales are made only in person. And a lot of the clients expect for on the customer success side, that you're going to do those meetings in person, you're not going to sit there on a remote conference and do the meetings. So the strategies that I put in place for the US have to be modified for the international market, which creates a little bit of a challenge because usually you want everything pretty uniform and everything buddy running with the same type protocol the, you know, the same type system, but you do have to modify things and make sure that you're understanding the the markets that you're in and the customers and, you know, just the team that you're working with, even, even how they work. Um, and that goes into um, the cultural differences with my team. Um, you know, I have to have an open communication with them and have them understand that they can also correct me and let me know that, hey, we we don't do that in Spain or, hey, that's not how it works in Germany because sometimes they'll pose a problem to me and I'll make a suggestion 
And they, that just may not work in that country. And constantly I'm learning as I go along. As I said, I'm pretty versed in Spain now, but there's other countries that I'm not as versed in that we also have customers in and I have CSM supporting that I just need to learn as I go along and, and make adjustments and be sensitive to those cultural differences. The last thing I want to talk about is, is language. It's, it's a very common issue. I'm interacting with the team that English is their second language and they need to change to English when they're interacting with me. Um, I have one person that just started not too long ago and, and he speaks English and, and German, but doesn't speak Spanish as well. But I remember even the early days when I would run meetings, people would start the meetings talking Spanish and then they would look at me and go, oh, we have to flip for Kim and they would flip in English. And some people that wasn't quite comfortable for. And sometimes when I spoke, I spoke fast and I would look at their faces and go, oh my gosh, they don't understand what I'm saying. <laughs> and I would have to take a step back and, and just kind of slow down. Or I would use some common slang in the US that they didn't even understand. So, it, you know, it's, it's a little bit of give and take. And it's, um, you know, understanding that they're changing their day-to-day -day language for me. Um, I should have, you know, in high school, focused more on my Spanish or maybe continue uh, to speak it outside. I, I had no idea I was going to work for Spanish companies, but I wish I would have. But I'm grateful that they changed for me, but it is a bit uncomfortable to them um, to talk in English the entire time I'm there and try to articulate in that language. And even more so on the phone, I, I don't know if you're aware, the dif differences between speaking in person a different language and speaking on the phone, but on the phone is so much more difficult. And when they have to have conversations with me on the phone, sometimes it's very stressful to them. And um, so I have to take that into consideration and slow myself down, make sure I understand um, that they're not always going to know what I'm talking about and be patient and re-explain things to them as well. Have you picked up any fun Spanish phrases? Have they been trying to teach uh, you as you go along? Well, you know, my favorite is, and it's it's silly, but it's cafe con leche because I'm always tired and I uh -huh. need to know what coffee I need to get <laughs> when I'm there. So that's the one I know the best. And, and it's kind of funny whenever they ask what you want to drink and I say cafe con leche, everybody's like, oh, wow, you do speak Spanish. I'm all, no. That's the only phrase I can actually speak perfectly that anybody understands. <laughs> well, you can keep learning. <laughs> I yeah. think, um, language learning is fun. I have a um, customer in Israel and they've been teaching me some Hebrew phrases here and there. And that's been really fun to learn. And um, I, I think it's neat and um, great when you can go to a different country and, and have a few little things at least be able to order your coffee. That's, exactly. I agree with you. That's absolutely number one phrase you have to learn. <laughs> um, so have you found that hiring a specific profile of CSM helps you to avoid some of the downsides of a remote team? And if so, what are those skills and strengths that you look for? Um, when hiring a remote team, in my case, I have directors overseeing the team in Europe. And I think that's super important because I have a large team over there and having people that can report to me and be able to help the team on a day-to-day -day basis is, is the best case scenario there. But sometimes you're going to have people that are remote 
and they're remote by themselves. They don't have people around them. And I think in that case, it's important to have someone that's an independent worker, somebody that can come up with solutions on their own. And if your product is a bit technical, it's important to have a CSM that's a bit more technical. So in our case, our product has some technical elements to it, especially when you're talking about the implementation phase for the clients. And so we are remote from Spain. Our technical team, our implementation team, our support team, engineers are all over in Spain. So for me in the U.S., I needed to hire somebody that was a bit technical so the client always didn't have to wait until the very next day to get an answer or get help or so that then there was an issue, you know, things could be trouble shot over here or I didn't require somebody in Spain to be on a call at like nine or 10 o'clock at night. So Kim, what advice would you give to someone who is joining a new team as a remote leader or to a leader who's considering adding remote team members to their group? Yeah, I, I always say like technology is your friend. Um, I'm so grateful that we have so many ways to keep in touch. Um, there's a lot of, you know, trends right now to people being remote or people being, in, you know, other states or even, you know, in Silicon Valley, we have people that live in the South Bay, but work for a company in the North Bay and they are at home remote. So it's not even just about the remote um, for an international company, but just, you know, being connected um, to your team, having several ways to connect to your team. There's different profiles I found that respond better on different mediums. So some people feel completely comfortable in email and some people, um, and, and I don't want to say just millennials, but, you know, I've noticed like people from a younger generation are much more comfortable on a chat, you know, on Slack or WhatsApp and, mm -hmm. and things that they can get to quickly because that's what they're used to. And they're not used to always co conversing on email. It's just not what they do on a day to day. So I try to find different mediums um, to connect with my team and also try to work with them on the medium that responds best for them, especially when, you know, it's uncomfortable for them always to interact with uh, somebody in the U.S. So whatever is more comfortable for them is what I use. And I just have a lot of communication and knowledge sharing happening between the team, um, you know, putting things in our strike tech solution so other people can access information whenever they need it. They don't need to call somebody or make sure that they're available. And, um, you know, working those early morning hours that I talked about. And it, for me, um, for somebody being, you know, a manager of a remote team, trying to have face-to-face -face when you can, for me, that's super important, especially with that large team, to have that every six weeks to every other month go and have that in-person meeting with everyone so that they can feel more connected and ask direct questions to me and um, also feel a bit more comfortable with the fact that I'm, you know, overseeing the team and I'm not just this face over in the U.S. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to wrap up today with the question that we ask all of our guests. What do you see as the biggest trend in our field right now and why? Yeah, I see a lot of trends actually coming out. Um, yeah. You know, I'm on the LinkedIn on a lot of the blogs, but one of the things that is pretty prominent to me or that I've seen is the idea of customer success operations. 
we see that sales teams have operations, they have, you know, a tool that they're using, typically Salesforce, and they have marketing going on to, you know, potential customers, and they do even webinars for potential customers. And so operations also makes sense for a CS team. Um, you can have your own solution, which is what we do, and which I've done at previous companies, is have a CS tool where you're also managing your customers and you're managing your day-to-day and you're looking at their retention rate and you're looking at the, you know, when you're um, supposed to do the QBRs, the health scores. Also, customer marketing um, falls in as well. If you're marketing to your sales team, or sorry, not your sales team, but you're marketing to your potential sales, your pre-sales, you're also marketing to your existing customers and managing those customer activities. I find it the same. So I've seen a lot of conversations around, should we have CS operations? Should we not? Should we invest in that? Should we not? Um, What's the importance of that? But um, I think it's super important. And I see that as the the way of the future to go in CS. And, um, you know, I just see a lot of people excited about the potential of having that role within a team. Yeah, I think it really opens up a new area for people to have a career path and customer success too. So, you know, for people who don't want to move into a manager track, um, you know, there's there's some people who that's not their strength. And, you know, if management is really the only way up uh, from being a frontline CSM, that can be really frustrating. And I think man- or the operations piece really opens up an alternative to management that is exciting and, you know, great for people who have those analytical skill sets, who are great with technology, who, you know, maybe are not as, as comfortable with or um, aren't enjoying any more of the front lines and uh, want to kind of play behind the scenes. And I think it's opening up a lot of really cool positions for them. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, great. It's a fun yeah. trend. <laughs> yeah. So Kim, thank you so much for sharing your experiences managing a remote and global customer success team with us today. I know there's many people in our audience who are in a similar situation, either as a leader or as a remote CSM. And I'm sure they appreciate your ideas for making that a successful partnership. So thank you so much for being on our show again today. Yeah, happy to. I also want to thank our sponsors, Strike Deck and the Success League. To learn more about Strike Deck, you can visit strikedeck.com and follow Strike Deck on LinkedIn or at Strike Deck on Twitter. To find out more about the Success League, please visit our website, thesuccessleague.io. And follow the Success League on LinkedIn or at TSL Customers on Twitter. To get all of the latest episodes, please subscribe to Strike Deck Radio on iTunes or SoundCloud. And finally, thanks for listening to this podcast, and we hope you'll join us next time.